Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As that video uh, for the sermon suggests, we are looking at the points of view of different players, different people who were involved in the passion history of Jesus. And as we go back and, and look at the things that happened in Jesus' life leading up to his crucifixion, we'll get their eyewitness accounts to how that affected them and what they thought about Jesus in their own words. I suppose it happened a few years ago, the advent of cell phone cameras and uh, the body cams that police officers wear now, or television shows like Cops or Live PD, we've been able to see with unprecedented, in an unprecedented way what police work is really like. I suppose if you've watched any of those shows or seen people post videos of different arrests, it's, it's almost like you're right there sometimes. And yet, would you agree with this? It still kind of has this feeling like it's part of a movie or a television show and, and not real life? I'm not sure if any of you, and I won't ask for a show of hands, have ever witnessed an arrest, but if you're in it, if you're right there watching, it has a little deeper impact. It's kind of frightening. Everything seems to be happening all at once. In a congregation I served previously, we had several police officers in the congregation. And I was privileged to go on quite a few ride-alongs with those police officers. It's kind of a fascinating thing to watch how that all plays out and to, to see the job that our police officers have to do. But being there was different, quite a bit different than watching it on TV. And maybe that's why what we're doing for Lent this year makes a lot of sense. We're going to the people who were there, the people who actually witnessed the events that we read about, that we've heard about, that we believe because of their accounts and listening to their experiences and how that all came to be and what they have to offer to us in the experiences that they had. Tonight we're going to take a look at the Apostle John and his view of Jesus' arrest. In order to do this, we'll switch to a first-person account. I'll speak to you as if I was John to give you a little bit of insight as to how John would do this on the basis of the four gospel accounts that we have in our Bibles. It was a little different that Thursday than most other days. Now, there was a lot of drama between Jesus and the chief priests and teachers of the law, but, but this night that tension seemed to be raised to a whole nother level. We knew something was going to happen that night. Jesus had told us that he was going to Jerusalem to die, that he was here to die. And while we didn't quite understand what he was saying, we knew things were coming to a head with Jesus and the chief priests. We were spending time with Jesus celebrating the Passover in an upper room in Jerusalem. And when we got there, Jesus did something that surprised us. The man that we called rabbi, master, teacher, Lord, he wrapped a towel around his waist and he washed all of our feet. And then while we were at the meal, Jesus did something surprising again. He spoke these words to us, Tonight, one of you is going to turn your back on me. One of you will betray me. 
We didn't know what to think. Not me. Surely not I, Lord. We said one after the other, looking to Jesus and looking at each other. It was then that that Peter motioned to me. I happened to be reclining right next to Jesus at this meal. And Peter motioned to me to say, ask him. Ask him who it is. Who is it that's going to be the one that betrays Jesus? And so I did. Jesus answered, it's the one who I give this piece of bread after I've dipped it in the bowl. That's the one who will betray me. And he gave that piece of bread to Judas. Shortly after Judas left. A few years later, my friend Matthew, one of our fellow disciples, described it this way. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. After Judas left, we were filled with confusion and astonishment, just wondering what was going to happen next. From there, we went to the Mount of Olives and into a garden called Gethsemane. Even though so many things were swimming around in my mind, I would be less than honest if I told you I didn't feel a little special when Jesus invited Peter and James and me to go a little bit deeper into the garden with him as he went to pray. We could tell that Jesus was in anguish. We could tell that he was overwhelmed. Jesus himself said to us that his soul was filled with sorrow to the point of death. And then he asked us to do one simple thing. Will you keep watch while I go and pray? I wanted to. I cared about Jesus. I wanted to do everything that he asked me to do. But as he went away to pray, my eyes got pretty heavy and I fell asleep. Not just once, but after Jesus came back and woke us up and went away again, I fell asleep a second time and then a third time. When I think back to that night, I can still be filled again with the shame of knowing that everything that Jesus was doing, he was doing for me, and yet I couldn't even stay awake for even one hour. I know Jesus wanted to call us back. He spoke to us in love, but, but those words that he spoke still sting. Matthew said it this way, He returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It was right after that that Jesus said to us, it was time to get up and go because the betrayer was coming. And he did. Matthew again, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. It was Judas. Judas was the one who was going to betray the Savior. It was Judas, just as Jesus had prophesied, who came to that garden with an army. An army who had clubs and swords to arrest Jesus. The whole thing is kind of a blur. It all seemed to happen so fast. 
Jesus asked them who they were looking for, and when they said, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus simply answered, that's me, I'm him. You remember what happened next? They all fell over. They all fell to the ground. And then Judas committed his act of betrayal. He walked right up to Jesus and kissed him. That was the signal to be the one that the men arrested. And as they moved forward to arrest Jesus, it was my friend Peter who was so quick to try and defend Jesus. He pulled out his sword and he cut off a man's ear. I'll never forget what happened next. One of his enemies, the person that was there to arrest him, Jesus took the time to make sure he was healed, healing the man's ear. And then he told Peter to put his sword away. And as he spoke to the rest of us, he said words that I've reflected on many times since that day. Didn't you know that this had to happen in order to fulfill the scriptures? Will you think about that with me just for a moment? This had to happen to fulfill the scriptures. Maybe if I knew that a little bit more that night, I could have avoided the shame of fleeing with all of the other disciples. But I still marvel at it today. You understand what Jesus was saying, right? That he could have stopped his arrest at any time? That he could have walked away? That he could have done anything he needed to, even calling down over 70,000 angels that would have been at his disposal to prevent his arrest? So why didn't he? Why didn't Jesus walk away? Why didn't he resist that arrest that was so unfair? Because the scriptures needed to be fulfilled. Jesus was there and went through with what he did because I needed to be saved. Because you needed to be saved. Later on, when I wrote my gospel, I referred to myself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Not because I felt like I was more loved than anyone else, but because Jesus loved even me. And Jesus loves each of you too. It's why he went to the cross for each one of us. I suppose if John were actually here tonight and he said, what can you take away from this idea and everything that I got to witness leading up to Jesus' arrest, he might say this to us. First, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Don't let the worries and fears, even exhaustion that we experience in this life, cloud our eyes from Jesus. You know how easy this, easily this happens, right? How easily we grow tired and weary. How easily the busyness of this life can distract us from what's truly important. And then we experience being overwhelmed too, don't we? Overwhelmed by sin and guilt and shame, the things that we know we should have done that we haven't done, the things that we've left undone, and the things that we've done. Focus on Jesus. Remember why he came. Secondly, remember what Jesus did. He did willingly for us. He could have stopped at any time what was going on in that garden. But he went through it for you and for me. Yes, our salvation is free. It's a gift of God, but it wasn't cheap. Jesus went all the way to the cross and gave up his very life 
to redeem you and me. The innocent Jesus was arrested. The guilty ones, you and me, we get to go free. We know that Jesus' arrest should have been ours. And yet we know why Jesus did what he did. We know he was taking our place. We know that Jesus was going all the way to the cross to save us, to win for us the forgiveness of sins and a life with him forever. Jesus sets you and me free. See, he doesn't want us to be overwhelmed by our sin. He doesn't want us to be shackled, handcuffed by the guilt that we feel. He wants us to get out of the prison that our shame can sometimes put us in. And that's why Jesus went to the cross, to assure you of your forgiveness and the eternal life that you have with your heavenly Father. See, we don't have to flee from Jesus. We get to flee to him. The very Jesus who said to you and me, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's this Jesus who set us free. This Jesus who said about that very freedom, if the Son sets you free, then you are free indeed. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.